0: You are listening to the Jack Halford podcast. Today's guest is Nancy Dawkins, also known as Mouse Teeth. She has a master's in philosophy from Sheffield, is a musician, writer and poet.
1: I started uh, playing gigs there like when, when lockdown lifted.
0: Yeah. Um, Was it weird? Did many people go?
1: So I did one that was really odd, but great, like I enjoyed it, which was like literally like as the rules were still kind of weird and yeah. you could only have like sit down and stuff and it was like a really small venue, everyone was sat down, but it was live streamed as well. Yeah. And that was the first gig I did as Mouse Teeth, like ever, because I, I started the project in lockdown and wrote, wrote most of the material in lockdown.
0: Why did you call yourself Mouse Teeth?
1: Um... Kind of like, accidentally, so like my Instagram name was Mouse Steve. So like from when I started it, when I was like, I was like when did Instagram happen?
0: Ages like, ago. Yeah, when like I was like, s-
1: when I was like 16, 15, 16 maybe, um, because I'd been called Mouse, I had like a, a friend who called me Mouse and like a group of friends who called me Mouse, um... and i have like teeth that when i'm singing so if i'm like upright i tend to sing upwards Mm -hmm. you can just see like the the bottom of my two front teeth like a mouse so i called my instagram mouse teeth just as a instagram name and then obviously like that maintained my instagram handle for like all those years and then when i was wanting to try again doing music stuff um I was like okay if I'm going to take this seriously I kind of need to change my Instagram because it kind of morphed from being it still is my personal Instagram although I have a private one as well that's like my actual personal Instagram that I post like my life on and Mm. pictures of my niece and stuff but like it kind of morphed the Mouse Teeth one morphed from being my sort of private one to being my I guess professional one although I'm pretty bad at keeping it professional um so I was like okay maybe I should change this to like Nancy Dawkins or Nancy Dawkins music or whatever. I think I changed it for a day and I was like I really miss Mouse Teeth. No. Like um there were certain people like I don't have a huge following but there were certain people who followed me for a long time on there who like called me Mouse Teeth, you know? Um so I was like I'm just going to do it the other way around. I'll I'll call myself Mouse Teeth. I think it's nice. Yeah.
0: Especially if you when you get famous <laughs> and then it's just gonna be easier because I feel like people like people actually have to do some detective work <laughs> about who you are. Yeah. Some pe- most people can't be bothered, so then you'll be less likely that you'll get hopefully less likely they'll get like faff from it. I don't know. Yeah,
1: I mean I had some people saying, especially women, being like it's good to have some separation between yourself, your name and your work yeah, But obviously I don't have that much separation because the writing work that I do, I do that under Nancy Dawkins because I don't want to be writing under mouse teeth because it just seems weird. But I mean, there are other people who are doing it, like um, Japanese Breakfast. She, um, Michelle, <coughs> what's her last name? Zauna? Zona? I can't remember. She obviously performs under Japanese Breakfast when she's doing her music, but when she released her book, Crying in h Mart. She released it under her name. Um, yeah, I felt I think it was a good move because for me it felt like it was drawing a distinction between the stuff I was doing with Nancy Dawkins when I was a teenager, because I was playing a lot around Leicester and doing a lot of that. But it was all acoustic and it was very like my teenage music. Yeah. So coming out and being like, this is the stuff I'm making now. It's um, all on electric guitar and it's different... Um, a sort of different style uh is mouse teeth so like it felt the, the right thing to do even if um it was triggered by sentimental um maintaining of an instagram handle
0: <laughs> that's cool i hope so because <laughs> i suppose it's i suppose if you're a solo artist it's it's not like you're changing bands because then mm. bands have different names and stuff. They always do. They're mm. not just. They always have a name. Yeah. And then you change the names. But solo artists always have the same name. So if you have a different style, maybe that audience is like, mm.
1: Yeah, I think having <laughs> different. If you have different projects, it's definitely good to have them titled differently. And I think, I, as you said, having separation between the self and the work is also useful especially when there's like a performance side of it um I think a lot of my work tends to be very vulnerable and that seems to be the thing that people most comment on is the vulnerability of it and the like personal nature of it but um I hope that it being under a different name does sort of tell people that it is also a performance. Like, I'm not showing you all of me. I would never want to show an audience the, the true all of, of me because that's that's not a performance. And especially as a woman, you get, you know, you look at Taylor Swift, you have people dissecting your whole yeah. life and which song's about who and where does that relate to? It's like sometimes a song can just be a, just a song. Yeah. And sometimes a line can just be a good line. Um, that doesn't mean they're any less authentic or yeah, whatever. I get that. Mm.
0: I get that. Because sometimes you are just doing, not for the sake. Well, mm. for the sake of it, sometimes it will just sound really good. Yeah. And you be like, yeah. Yeah. There's no metaphor here, but yeah. I, you know, interpret it as you want. I guess.
1: And sometimes you can convey a feeling in a way that d- that isn't like biographically true. You know what I mean? Like you can you can write a song that feels really true to a situation that has explanations of events that didn't happen, but still conveys a feeling correctly. Um, so I'd hope that yeah, having having a name that separates it from me sort of separates it a little bit. I don't think that that.
0: Does it make it easier to be vulnerable because it's not your name as well, or does it not have any effect?
1: Mm, I think I've always been quite good at doing that. Anyway, my, my writing's always been very emotional and personal. Um, I've always said that that's, if anything, something that makes it more invulnerable. If you sort of like hype up the drama of it all, um, it's easier to hide behind kind of... Uh, sort of extreme misery, I guess, um, as a sort of mask. Um, which is funny, because I don't think I'm generally that much of a miserable person anymore anyway.
0: <laughs> no. <laughs> you yeah, like yeah, don't seem like it.
1: <laughs> Yeah, you don't seem like Yeah, either. I don't think that I am most of the time. I, That's I mean, good. Yeah, I, lo- I mean, I went through a big part of my life. I'd say probably the majority of my life where I was. Um... A very miserable person, but I don't. I have obviously I have ups and downs and bad days and um. I am probably more sensitive than a lot of other people are, which I feel like you could maybe relate to. <laughs> what? Being <laughs> being aware of that, you know, like. <laughs> um. Yeah. And. But that doesn't necessarily mean that there's something like Wait, why do you think that I can they? relate to that? To think that you're a sensitive person.
0: Do you think I am?
1: Yeah. Would you not think that? Uh
0: yeah. Uh, like <laughs> how?
1: I just think that you. You're aware that you can you have big have like intense feelings in reaction to things. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. True. And that, being aware of that. Isn't saying that that's a bad thing, if anything it's often I think a, it's a, a good to thing be aware of it yeah, and it does to be aware can, of it, but I also think that
0: respond it's respond to it in a healthy way yeah,
1: I think that it's needed in order to be a good artist as well
0: yeah, yeah, like if I'm going through something, I'll be in the studio more mm. Do you do you write music or write more when you're feeling down or are you oh, just going into like a state? Hundred percent, write yeah, write yeah, more when
1: you're Oh, definitely. Like I went through a really really rough period end of last year. Winter always tends to suck for me, and i I, I mean. I guess you can call it seasonal affective disorder, or you can Sad. whatever. But I do think that, that human we human beings naturally have like cycles that we go through and i am trying to, to less like condemn it as like, oh uh, this is something that needs to be fixed and be something more that I can like work with. Like okay, I need to do less in these times because doing more makes me overwhelmed. Yeah. At these times, and that makes me miserable. Like I need to slow down when, when the world slows down kind of thing. Um but I wrote Shitloads, and I would just wake up every morning and there'd be a poem already sort of formed in my head but I think one of the best poems I've ever written is a poem called um, I Think of You First which I've won some awards for um, but it's never been published yet I actually sent it off for published to, to hopefully get published somewhere a couple of days ago so fingers crossed for that Yeah. Um, but I wrote that um during that time and I literally woke up in the morning and before I did even moved I just wrote it like in my head Um, But definitely, I think that's another thing that's interesting with the like, miserable persona thing is like, because art, I think is easier, at least for me, Mm -hmm. when I'm feeling bad, Yeah. because it's a way that helps you express it and cope with it. All your art then ends up being mostly miserable. And therefore, especially when it's like a public facing thing. Every the, the the your persona then becomes miserable you know what i mean it's like it's a weird thing for your the the way that people who don't necessarily like know you on a day-to-day basis oh. will perceive you how you are when you're using art for catharsis No one's
0: surely no one's in a constant state of like trying and
1: I think some people are. I think some people are in constant states of misery more Ugh. so than I am. I've been in constant states of misery more so than I am now. I would say generally most I, of the time I'm doing pretty well. I've been right. like
0: it for like weeks. Yeah. And it's not very nice.
1: <laughs> no. <'Cause laughs>
0: that's, that's why I like Yeah. <laughs> why i'm doing this and like trying to yeah. do stuff so that i'd feel productive mm-hmm. and talking to other people about about that helps because mm-hmm. then it's like oh everyone goes through something like that mm-hmm. i mean i think everyone goes through some kind of adversity in yeah. their life like so everyone has to deal with something mm-hmm. so the more we talk about it the more we feel connected to each other i think that's what that's what <laughs> i like talking to people
1: yeah i agree with that yeah, it's just a very strange thing that I'm often aware of that like, especially as I'm not te- I'm not generally someone who like, goes out a lot or is out in the world that often, because, mostly because I can't, because my body is, doesn't work that way, doesn't allow it. Um, most of what the world often sees of me is, is misery. I had a friend recently um, who I met through poetry a guy called marley he's a really great poet mm-hmm. um and he was saying he's like you know you're such a, a great poet and you're a really great performer it's really funny that people seeing you on stage would never guess that you're really funny <laughs> it's like you never know that <laughs> and uh that's interesting <laughs>
0: guess a lot of people sort of they will have that perception of you will not they and Mm. it's easy to sort of have a false perception of people if you just see them online and you don't see them very often Mm. because they just have like an online persona especially if they're ill or disabled or something
1: i think it's also like that it's not just necessarily online persona it's it's like the the performance
0: like a mask
1: thing like being on stage to people oh yeah and Especially when, like, it's quite obvious that what you're performing probably is very personal. Even if it's not always literal. Um, because people are aware that they're seeing something that's kind of a truth of you. Mm. It's very easy to then assume that that's the whole truth of you. Rather than just a very specific and often cathartic thing. That's the thing. It's like, what what people are seeing <clears throat> on stage are things I will write often in my darkest points or about previous darkest points when that's like one percent of my life do you know what i mean
0: yeah I okay so, maybe yeah. not
1: one percent it's probably bigger than that historically it was a vast majority at the moment you know over the past couple of years i would say it's mostly a minority good <laughs> Yeah, I understand that. Mm. <laughs> yeah, trying thinking, to think thinking of smart things to say. <laughs> you don't have to be smart. Your podcast can be as dumb as you want it. Do you find your work is is miserable or happy or neither?
0: I'm working on death at the minute.
1: Well, yeah, okay, that'll do it.
0: But I see it in like a positive way. Yeah. Or I'm like, remember that I'm going to die and everyone I know and love is going to die. Mm-hmm. So get out of bed <laughs> and go and do something positive, try and yeah. help people. Death
1: is out. motivation is interesting.
0: <laughs> that's that's yeah. what I took from stoicism like people Mm -hmm. say that stoicism is kind of bad because it tells you to suppress things but i don't think it really is i've never really been much
1: of a fan of the stoics but i also would be lying if i said i'd done a lot of delving into it
0: yeah what did you delve in did you find anything positive from it
1: um i tend to find any any form of Thing really that becomes like prescriptive it can often be bad but that's the problem just with people in general is that you you state an opinion and people universalize that as like this is the thing you have to do um any i think any strict adherence to any like role of um rule of ways of being or mm-hmm. uh, moral um truths or whatever is difficult because they're never going to fit every person in every situation
0: yeah um, i totally agree with that
1: i think i think stoic stoicism as with all things can be dangerous in the hands of um, men yeah. <laughs> and not even just men but like a, a sort of patriarchal world which already doesn't allow men to be that emotional and I think often stoicism is perhaps incorrectly interpreted as a form of like uh, I guess suppression like you said Um, but there's a lot of that around in in lots of different philosophies and people take things yeah, I don't take at 100% time. of it yeah. all. Yeah, yeah, But
0: the the bits that I like, I sort of, like, be aware that the way people act mm. isn't necessarily the way they want to act. It mm-hmm. might just be something's happened to them. Yeah. So I always try and be empathetic towards people, even mm. if they're really pissing me off. <laughs> I'm like, well, I know that stuff's happened to me and I've I've, like, done stuff Mm. And it's just all the se- like series of moments that have come to that sho- mm. like shoulder barge or something. And I'm, mm. uh, I'm like... Ah. And, but, but then I'm I'm like, no, I need to deal with all of... Th- you need to deal with stuff so that you're not a walking bomb. Yeah. it's ready to, like, explode with anger and stuff.
2: Yeah.
0: But I understand that it could be dangerous. I mean, a lot of military people are into stoicism. Exactly. So some, yeah, that's why. I was... And Piers Morgan's like, yeah. Well, we need to be more stoic, and I'm like, hmm.
1: I think so, the word stoic itself has been removed from any for- form of like philosophical understanding. Anyway, yeah. when we say stoic, what we mean is like someone who's like stone-faced and unable to feel or express anything, and that's you know that's that's the the goal is to be. Is to not feel things, like numb. Yeah, which I think is very useful for a military because you, yeah. because it's you, a lot harder to kill people when you feel things.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> for sure.
1: <laughs>
0: I think they need to. They need to. They didn't need to use their heads.
1: I think a little bit. I do think though, if you yeah. if you use your head.
0: I need to think, whoa. I
1: think if you're, if you're fully connected to that which makes us human, which I'm going to be very vague about what that might be, because mm. I don't know. <laughs> but if you're fully connected to that in a way that's healthy, I don't think you could ever be in the army. I don't think anyone could.
0: No. Yeah, I mean, people do say you need to be a bit of a... See, they want certain types of nutters. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, what? Mostly what they want is is disenfranchised people who don't have another choice that's that's mostly it yeah um but especially in lot America that's people go into
0: it because exactly. they've You've got they've no other choice maybe they've got a criminal record or something yeah. they can't get a job
1: and um, they pay for people's education which is very appealing for people who wouldn't be able to afford it otherwise yeah um I mean, I went through a phase when I was about 14 where I decided that I wanted to, to be an engineer in the army. I don't really know why, because I'm very anti-war. Um, and I feel like I always have been, but yeah, um, I think I just wanted to prove.
0: <laughs> I wanted to be in the Royal Marines. I just wanted
1: Mar- to, to prove something. Royal Did Marines. Um, I'm glad that neither of us are in the armed forces. <laughs> I think that would be fucked for both of us. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think I'm
0: Because <laughs> I like to think, yeah, I could do but I was just attracted to the discipline. And yeah. I like, I just wanna become this like big dude who's disciplined and but I don't want to kill anyone. Exactly.
1: And being part of one, I don't want to horrible. get killed either. I think I also was just I mean, this is incredibly just autism coded do you like conversation. It's like I don't like taking orders but oh. I like enforced structure because i can't enforce it on myself yeah i understand i would i would get to a point though where i'd fucking hate it i don't like being told what to do i don't agree i I have never understood hierarchies because i'm like if if the thing is the right thing it doesn't matter who's saying it it's right regardless like if there is a right way of doing something the, the, the lowest level person saying that is just as right as a top level person saying that. It's just never. That's never sat well with me, and that's sometimes got me promoted at jobs. It's sometimes got me fired. <laughs> yeah,
0: I just, I just, I had a job at a steakhouse for a few weeks, and then they, they said, oh, someone needs to volunteer not to work, and then I said, if it's against the contract, <laughs> this is against the. They were like, no, it's not, and I said, yes, it is. <laughs> well, I was, I was like speaking on facebook man and they said don't come in today <laughs> And i was like i quit this is bullshit
1: yeah i remember my job it's it's funny um i we're, we're friends now but there's a uh, like guy Paul who Marks. was who was my he felt like Marks, who was my um i guess boss at the time he was a supervisor and i was a just a bartender and he was like saying, oh, we'll close down this. I was like, no, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense to do that now. Let's do this now and do that now. And then it will make it easy to do this. And he was like, you've got such a problem with authority, Nancy. And I was like, I literally don't understand what you mean because I'm just saving his time. I'm just saving his time. And then it was like a few weeks later that I got promoted. <laughs> and I was like, do I have a problem with authority now? Um, and he was like, no, because now you've got authority. Like, yeah, but I've got authority through being good at my job because the things that I was saying were sensible and true. And that was true, regardless of where I was in you the hierarchy. You sound higher like ranking. someone
0: who should get promoted. <laughs> you sound like you sound like the higher up.
1: But it's not. I, I don't. I hate responsibility, though. I hate. I. But I don't like things being done. I don't like being told what to do, but I don't like responsibility. So. I,
0: yeah, me too, kind of.
1: I'm awful at it. I get overwhelmed very quickly. Um, yeah. When I yeah, when things have when I have to do things or things have to be done or things are under my control. Do you put that's things off? Oh yeah, hugely.
0: And then do they get worse?
1: Yeah, less so now I'm on my medication. Um, oh, that's good. I'm more able to get things done sort of in the moment. Um, but I do have a big tendency of like anything I do. So like, you know, do a big project or a responsibility or whatever. <clears throat> i'll get to a point where it's like too much for me and i'll just quit it Mm. um so like i was running a poetry night during lockdown that was all online and it was great it was i'm really proud of creation it was so much fun and um i did it run it with with my friend sj and she's brilliant and the whole thing was great and people still speak about how much of a uh great thing it was during a difficult time for a lot of people although i fucking thrived um during that time but um got to a point where i was like oh my god you know i have to, and it wasn't even that much we did one event a month and then we did some some uh workshops in between but it was like I'm ha- every month i was like i have to book i have to find a headline act and i have to sort the tickets out and I have to try and like get people to come and just got to a point where i was like I, I just can't do this anymore it builds up and then i get overwhelmed and then i just can't do it mm. and that pretty much happens with anything um Which is not fun, but, um, also means that I have done a lot of different things, which is quite cool and exciting. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm not one for a...
0: Do you find you want, like, in your head, do you want to try everything? Or, because I I like... I'm doing a lot of different things. Yeah. And I may not be perfect at all of them, but mm. I just enjoy like doing lots of different yeah, things. I do that are completely different from each other.
1: I think I do enjoy doing a lot of different things, but I would enjoy that a lot more if we didn't live in a capitalist society that requires that I need to have one stable income oh, or yeah. that like um I mean, I mean, I'm mean, i really lucky in my financial position in that I have a lot of support and I don't have to work a full-time job, which I wouldn't be physically capable of doing anyway and haven't since I got my diagnosis of ME. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do a lot of little things. I have... My family helps me out and I do some editing work and I do, um, obviously, some writing and music stuff and... and I was doing nannying and stuff. So I've done, like, a lot of little bits, but, like, not having the safety and security of, like, one thing that is I'm committed to that's, like, the thing that is 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 difficult. And I think the answer would be yes, I really enjoy doing that if I was outside of the confines of a society that requires that. Um, I would like to be able to have longer-term commitment to one thing, but I do think that music has been sort of prevailing arc over everything i've sort of dabbled in lots of different things but music's been the one thing i have come back to Mm. um so i guess i do have commitment on that on that front
0: so if you were to define yourself would you call yourself a musician or a musician and a poet which one
1: um I'd say both really and I mean I often call myself a writer and musician because that's yeah writing obviously I write my music so writing even comes under that I write poetry that at the moment is the predominant like the the dominant writing thing I'm doing but obviously when I was you know in academia doing philosophy I was a writer of philosophy um I, I write personal essays um i've written short stories that have been published (laughs) um i don't tend to write fiction that often because i don't have the focus to do longer pieces (laughs) but um writer in general tends to encompass a lot of things but then musician oh, that's my door yeah i would call myself predominantly I think mu- music is probably the thing that I want to be doing as my, like, primary thing, but I think that I'll always write as well. Yeah. Um, obviously, I'm working on the record right now, which will be released, hopefully, spring next year, mm. um, and I think maybe after releasing that and then maybe maybe touring it, I would, might like to put um, a poetry collection out, maybe. But i am not like committed to that. That's just sort of pretty cool. (laughs) That's an idea. I'd maybe like to sort of alternate sort of releasing a record and then releasing a book of poems and then That sounds like a nice nice
0: way of working. Yeah. Like it gives you mind rest one from the other.
1: Yeah. And I mean I'm constantly doing both all the time, like I'm always writing new songs and I'm always writing new poems. But the work of actually putting a body of work together, like making a record is a very different thing than writing a record is. Um, putting together a collection is very different than writing poems are. I feel like it's a lot more sort of structured work.
0: Yeah, I get that. Because like, I wrote this like, zine thing, mm-hmm. and then when I'm actually printing mm-hmm. it and making mm-hmm. the thing, I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> what the hell is it? because I'm like, that's oh. so why
1: people get, pay other people to do that shit.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, oh, I want to do everything myself. Yeah. Um, but then it's all, ugh.
1: It's a very different, um, It's
0: kind of thing. good, if you've got anything going on in your head, then you mm. can turn into a robot, and sort mm. of, like, do
1: something. I do like a, a good repetitive task. When I was on the bar, my favourite, my least favourite thing was always serving people. <laughs> <laughs> um, and my favourite bit was like, chopping limes. I've, Loved chopping limes you have like on a Saturday, you need to fill up like between three and five buckets of buckets. lime wedges, yeah, because you put them in like every drink oh my God. and you just stand there like with a whole tray from the um grocers or whatever you know whole tray of limes, just chopping them up repetitively, and because you're doing a job, no one asks anything else of you because you're doing an important job that's needed, you don't have to deal with any. Figuring out anything—it's just a task, and you've got it, and you stand there, and it's just repetitive task. I loved it. Um, yeah, really enjoy that.
0: Line cutting <laughs> <laughs> smells nice as well.
1: Yeah, although if you've got cuts on your hands, mm. which you often do as a bartender, yeah, um, that wasn't always great. <laughs> yeah.
0: Do you think bartending inspired you to <laughs> write anything?
1: Um, Do I think bartending inspired me to write anything? Not really. I think that time of my life, I'm really thankful for. I had a lot of fun, not a lot of sleep. Um, I made a lot of friends, some of which I'm not still friends with, some of which I am. And my, my work friends that I made at that bar, we still meet up like once or twice a year for a re- reunion we we had one in September this year I think that's quite unusual really for a group of people who met on a bar job to still be friends I mean I only worked there two years and it was when did I leave
0: that's a good chunk of
1: your life yeah exactly I start so I started working there when I was 20 I think I left when I was like 22 so that's you know, good, good six yeah good six years ago. Um, and I'm still meeting up with that group of people, and some of them still work in bars, some of them still work in the same company. Lots of us don't. We all live in different places. Um, so I'm very glad for that part of my life, but it wasn't an artistically. Um, great time of my life. I didn't really make a lot. I wasn't really gigging um, lots of my friends that I made in that sort of scene were professional musicians, and I don't know, I feel like I maybe could have made more of a effort then, but I also, I didn't really have the time or energy, and also felt kind of, um, it wasn't necessarily the most um creatively like supportive environment i would say um but it was fun i I had a lot of fun and very grateful for a lot of the people that i met during that time um a lot of who are still like really good friends of mine but i don't really think i made anything i'm trying to think i read read quite a lot um which obviously is important creatively yeah. for me. Yeah, I suppose sometimes I
0: have points in my life where I'm not making a lot, mm-hmm. but then I am experiencing things that maybe mm-hmm. feed into the work later on. Yeah. Or something like that. There's
1: that quote that I can't remember who said it, and I'll absolutely bastardise the quote is that, you know, writers need to live. You, you need to live I, otherwise I think you that's why I end, up,
0: I end up doing things. Yeah. I need to experience life because mm-hmm. then. I mean that's what it is. <laughs> yeah. So then you can actually write about something.
1: Yeah. Or make anything about anything, I guess.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that's research. Yeah. Just living.
1: Definitely. I um I recently finished uh The Artist's Way. Um by what's her name? Julia Julia Cameron? It's like a really famous book in I wanna say the eighties maybe. And it's like a twelve week course that um it's supposed to be for people who are like creatively blocked, mm-hmm. which was a bit weird for me doing it because I'm I wasn't creatively blocked. If anything, I I'm, I'm I make too much stuff. <laughs> like, you yeah. know, too much too many ideas. But I did feel like I was sort of struggling with, with maintaining any like consistency through it. Um and I found that really useful because each week you have, there's like 10 tasks and you don't have to do all of them. She's like, you know, do like at least eight of them or whatever. Um, and it was great for me because I struggle with routine, but I need direction. Yeah. I'm bad at self-direction, but I do not thrive in it every day. Here's what you do. So it was good for me in that every week of the tasks were different. Yeah. So I didn't have any rep- repetition of, like, being stuck into a routine with it. But I had some direction that was coming from outside of me. Um. So I found that really useful. And part of that, every week you have to do an artist date, which is where you take yourself somewhere that's just sort of having a play on your own. So it could be going to see a film or it could be... yeah. Going to, one of the weeks I went to an aquarium to go and look at the fish. And, like, you know, just stuff that's, like, nice things to, for yourself to, that might inspire you and give you, like, creative time for your mind to sort of play. That's good. Um, And I think that's interesting. It was interesting for me as well because I sort of sometimes feel like my entire life is that because I don't have, you know, a regular job. And I spend a lot of my time sort of just doing what I want to do. But actually... yeah intentionally doing that is very different and sort of getting out and doing something new
0: yeah it's like me although I'm trying to do Monday to Friday at a studio Mm. and then every now and then I'll be like right I need to like go on a trip Mm -hmm. to like the countryside or go and see friends yeah down south and have a change of environment Mm because it gets a bit too much
1: sometimes I think sometimes there's there's a lot of pressure for anyone and artists included in that to like replicate a nine to five life and it's like the nine to five life isn't a natural state of being And, and like the reason why so many of us are so miserable is because they're working jobs that don't allow you to like be a human in the way that you're supposed to be and trying to like rising grind culture and like hustle culture it's just like why would why would you want to replicate the the life the corporations have given you
0: yeah
1: i think the structure can be good
0: it's not yeah because i don't like i don't have specific hours but i just try to get into Mm. the studio every day monday friday Mm. but the most important thing to me is just staying healthy like going Mm. to the gym and eating right and stuff like that. And all when I get all of that stuff correct and socializing, Mm. then I'm more productive. So I'm like, start, the health is a priority and that allows me to do the work, which will then make me able, make me be able to do all the health stuff because it all costs Mm. money because we're in a social society. Uh, Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's, it's good that it works. I I for me sometimes I realize that I have to prioritize like one or the other. Some you know there's this whole thing of. I mean fuck Jordan Peterson, but that whole thing of like make your bed every morning is like mm, revolutionize men's lives. Um, <laughs> sometimes in the morning I can either make my bed, or I can write a poem. Yeah. And I I can choose which one I'm gonna do if I'm gonna get get up and it's like doing the artist's way, which has been great. One of the things is doing morning morning pages. <clears throat> And Morning Pages is writing three pages every morning. And I used to journal every morning, every night and did for years. And then I sort of stopped. And I started again. But some days it's like, in order for me to get three pages down, I was having to stay in bed writing these morning pages for fucking hours, which meant I wasn't doing other stuff. So I had to give myself a time limit. It was like, okay, I'm not going to do three pages if that takes me too long. So it's it's like, I know that journaling is something I need to do frequently in order for me to get my head in the right space. But if I do that the way that I want to do it and then I wash my face in the way that I'm supposed to and I brush my teeth in the way that I'm supposed to and I make my meals and I make my bed and if I do all those things, it's I will not do the things that I'm making Yeah. because I can't do both because yeah. my brain and my body won't let me. So I have to choose on the day which and it can't be the same every day for me like because, okay, so one day... There's a poem happening. That means that I'm I'll I'll do that poem. Like this morning I woke up and I felt awful. This morning I felt super anxious and like very heavily on my period. I've been really tired and burnt out. I woke mm. up this morning and I w- went to journal and was like, "Okay, I could either journal and feel super anxious, or I could write a letter to my MP about Gaza, yeah. and it will help me feel a little bit less shit about it." And it's like I know that. I don't know every day it needs to be slightly different, and having the rigid structure for me just doesn't work because I don't have the f- the physical or mental capacity to do all those things. It's like, oh yes, I know that eating a healthy diet and exercising regularly and like all that stuff can make you a more flourishing person mm. but if I make myself three proper you know. Out whole food meals a day. I won't be doing anything else.
0: That's whole day. <laughs> yeah. doing
1: that. Um.
0: I understand that too. I tried to write about that in because mm-hmm. I I wrote that scene and I wrote about oh well, this is good and having this routine and mm. I was like the disabled people. <laughs> yeah. You know, can't get out of bed mm. sometimes. Can't actually go to the gym. Yeah. Don't be hard on people. <laughs> yeah, because not I get into my head. I'm like, yeah. um, everyone must be like this because it yeah, works yeah. for me.
1: Exactly. That's the thing. Is it's very. That's what I say about it. Different philosophies or ideas, whatever. When they're overly prescriptive, it's when people think this thing works for me. Therefore, it must work for other people. And that's just not how people work. Yeah. Um, and I also think it's it's not even just the physical stuff. Like my my brain doesn't flourish with every day the same yeah i have like some days i want to be making music some days i want to be writing it's like i go through huge phases i have adhd i mean i talked about medication earlier we didn't specify it it's probably obvious to anyone that that's what this is but like you know i went through a year of my life where my thing was reading and i read constantly every day and then i went through a big phase i was like oh i'm not reading and it's like why am i not reading this is a thing that i do And i was like yeah, but I've been playing like indie video games every day, and that was the thing I was doing. So I can't having like a rigid structure or like thing that I do. I just don't think it's ever gonna work.
0: Yeah. Sounds like you're doing good though. Um. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, you know it's not a constant, is it? Yeah. Not a yeah. Constant like it's a waves.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I would like to have. I would like to be able to have more structure. I admire the um, uh, ability to kind of go in every day and and make something. Um,
0: See, I don't go in every day and make something. Yeah. I'm just literally, I just mean going in. Yeah, yeah. Going Sometimes in. Sometimes I'm sat there. Yeah, yeah. Not doing it. <laughs> And like, I'm like, oh, should I should have go home. No, I'm going to stay. <laughs> so I just fall asleep reading a book or something. But I'm there doing that. Yeah. Because uh, I just get down from at home. Mm. I feel like I'm not being productive. Yeah. Which is maybe that's another thing maybe that's that another bad thing. about uh, yeah, I've, I've stopped, not feeling
1: productive. I've stopped with the not feeling productive thing. I, I mean, and it, it's gone a bit the other way with me in that I often feel guilty or worried. When I'm being too productive because I'm scared that it'll burn me out and yeah. make me ill. And I think both both of those things are equally not great. But the whole productive thing really, it, it generally pisses me off when people are like, oh, I'm not being productive. I'm like do you mean you're a human being who's alive what are you on about (laughs) like what are you on about are you meeting your minimum requirements for like the thing the responsibilities you need to be alive like okay if you've got kids are those kids fed and watered like okay i'm not being productive i had you know i have this i should have been using this to do this and it's like Ah! (laughs) the brainwashing is so obvious and frustrating and i understand where it comes from and like
0: work yeah
1: yeah but like work when you're School. not needing to do work yeah you know like i get obviously people well, need they to don't work like to
0: see you standing around yeah. doing nothing. but then you're at home not doing anything
1: yeah but that's good i like doing, not doing i like it, doing yeah.
0: it. i i do like say to myself right, every saturday mm. you don't do anything yeah that's a day you don't do anything or go I'll do a shop or something but I enjoy it yeah
1: yeah do things you enjoy obviously but we we need rest and you need fun and play and and that's just as productive even though I think that's just not a useful word but anything else it's like
0: should we ban the word productive
1: ban the word productive
0: (laughs) don't use the P word
1: (laughs) no productivity
0: no um Have you ever listen to like hippies like for like hippie dippies <laughs> from the 60s talking about how people ask them what they do and they say what do you mean what do i do they yeah. know what they know what they're being asked but mm-hmm. they're like trying to question it and they're being like well i live
1: but that's the thing i do actually really find that that question really frustrating especially when i was ill like really ill what do you mean, what do I do? Like, okay, I didn't work. I, I was like, you know, I, I, now I do do more work, so I have m- multiple answers to that question. Yeah. But for a long time, it's like, what I do is, I'll do lots of things, yeah, but the thing I that's know, that's giving me money is nothing, actually, because I'm too ill. Um, the thing I did mostly was be in bed.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, so I did, I, I, I understand why people ask it, because it's just an easy question to ask people, but... It's also a frustrating one. Um, and also like a boring one. Like if, you know, someone's got an office job that there is their nine to five and they're not super passionate about it. And it's mm. not like the thing that they want to be doing. Asking them that question is like probably the least interesting thing about them.
0: Honestly, I'd hate to listen to two people who hated their jobs and that's all they talked about. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to listen to that. Yeah.
1: Uh
0: so, I'm glad I don't surround myself with people that.
1: Hate but also, jobs they hate. it's a necessity for most people to have yeah. jobs that they hate because you gotta live. <laughs> you gotta live. That's the problem with so much mental health services and things. It's like, ultimately, if you really want to make an impact in people's mental health, we need universal income and we need. Universally accept like easily accessible healthcare like yeah. and we need uh, easy access to good food and childcare and uh, equal housing and education you know um, so many people are miserable but miserable because they hate their jobs it's so easy to tell someone to go and find a job you don't hate but. Mm -hmm. Most, most. First off, still a job. Yeah, exactly. And and second off, there's only so many amount of jobs and so many amount people, you know. Um, taken a very depressing term, but. (laughs) No, I don't think it is. I think (laughs)
0: this is. I think it's good because it's questioning, you know. Yeah. What is, I mean, this this way of life we find ourselves in now. How long has it even, been like this? Yeah. Like after the Second World War, after the Industrial Revolution. You could say there's some positives, like the fact that we're not... Living in feudal
1: feudalism, you know, child mortality is not quite as high. (laughs) But there's also things like not having common ground. There's no such thing as as just common ground that everyone has free access to now because everything's privatised.
0: Oh, like actual land. Actual land, land, yeah. Like small holdings. Um,
1: Things like that. Um, See, that's annoying. Yeah. Wouldn't it
0: be nice?
1: Removal of of third spaces...
0: Yeah. Community. Private property.
1: Yeah.
0: Like big private property in the countryside where there's nothing even growing. Yeah. And you're just like... Just, <laughs> just, just let it be. A, frolic around growing tomatoes. <laughs> on that, the people on that. frolic. Flops. It's annoying. Um, I can't, I can't, me, me and some friends camped like, on some castle grounds once. Mm-hmm. I don't think we would. I was woken up in the morning by an angry man on a tractor saying, get off my lamp. <laughs> yeah, it was in like Derbyshire. He was like, if you don't move that tent, I'm going to mow it over and it's like a big tractor. <laughs> <laughs> but like, why couldn't we just camp there? Like, it was like nowhere near the main castle, it was like a mile away. Yeah. Was like, why is this even, this <laughs> strange meadow in the middle of nowhere, who is it for? like Downton Abbey yeah airport.
1: I mean I don't I don't by any means my you know uh criticisms of capitalism aren't to say that things were better under like rule of kings or feudal law or anything but you know there's just <laughs> hierarchies of any sort really I guess and di- dividing up of you wealth. there will and, always
0: be hierarchies though
1: I don't know is the honest answer I mean I think there probably always will be in some way um but I I think there's the difference between saying like ideologically I think that there shouldn't be and will there always be, um, who knows? Yeah. I, I you know I I'd, I'd love to see a world in which AI is used for good, technology is used for good, and so you know I the I difficult deci- the difficult decisions at high level and the, the jobs that people don't want to be doing can be done by technology and not by people and people Mm. are more free to be creative and human but realistically is that likely to happen looking at the world right now probably not (laughs) um but who knows and i think hierarchy can be shifting i think you can have you can acknowledge depends what you mean by hierarchy because you can have a kind of hierarchy of knowledge if you have certain different sectors of um different things different roles or whatever and you have certain people who have been doing it longer or have more knowledge having those people have um more you know will be higher up in people's esteems and therefore probably in responsibilities Mm -hmm. i don't think that in itself is a bad thing people who know more about something and have more experience in it and um, but then the problem with hierarchies is when it's then um, either just st- stagnant in that those people retain like a sort of power forever or that's then passed down through like nepotism or um, oligarchy or plutocracy or you know when when it's money involved or whatever but if you have people learning things and the people who learn more about specific things have more um, say in those areas that makes sense
0: because they more knowledgeable exactly. and it's for the good of everyone
1: hierarchies in and of themselves I don't think are necessarily bad things unless they become um, like rigid unaccountable and um, I guess like hoarded like specific groups, um, and not shared. You know, knowledge needs to be shared. Okay, Power yeah. needs to be shared. If we're gonna have money, it needs to be shared. <laughs> Financial hierarchies. Suck.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Obviously. I, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. If I had loads and loads and loads and loads. Nah, I'd probably share it, but then I...
1: Yeah, I think there's, there's, like...
0: I don't understand how people can hoard billions and, like, I swear, when, when they have billions, they've probably got people that control everything for them. Oh yeah, definitely. And... Yeah. They don't have access to their funds, I don't
1: think. Well, I mean, it depends what you mean as well, because often when we say people are worth billions, it's because their assets are worth billions, so right. they won't just have ac- They won't just have a billion in their bank account, but they'll still have access oh, well. to a huge amount of wealth and power because of that.
0: Go to space. Um
1: But there's a lot of, you know, Dolly Parton, she isn't a, bil- a billionaire because she's given away so much of her money to charitable things and different people and stuff. Like, there's ways of think that you could do it in a way that's more ethical um but i do also think that in most cases the act simply the act of amassing that much wealth regardless of what you then do with that is unethical because it means that the people who are producing that wealth for you aren't getting paid fairly you're using labor that's cheap yeah to get that much
0: um... well the thing is if they shared it then they wouldn't need to work (laughs) yeah that's why they don't pay them enough yeah i think (laughs) <laughs> i think that's how it
1: works it's interesting though i was having this conversation with Buy courtney. the
0: property as well and for the rent prices up, yeah. So yeah, 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 God like, yeah it's a bit this more a money thing, right? like do these people realize
1: they're villains or not like so me and courtney have been watching succession what's
0: that
1: succession the tv show um it's like sort of loosely <laughs> doing playing with your hat mm. um lucy based sort of like on a kind of like Murdoch-esque family of like this big media company owned by an incredibly powerful man who owns all the media and then the Ooh. the family, um, it's like do men like that, do they realise they're the villain and don't care, or do they or do they not see it?
0: I think maybe they see the world as a game. Yeah, it's a game it, of monopoly.
1: Because yeah. I generally tend to try and see the world through an understanding that everyone. apart from maybe a few sort of like outliers, everyone genuinely believes that what they are doing in that moment is the best thing they could be doing. I don't think anyone goes out of their way really to be the bad person. I think everyone's perspective is so different and some people's perspectives are incredibly warped, but that generally that what they think their perspective is is the correct perspective.
2: Hmm.
1: And I look at men like Bezos or Elon Musk or whatever and I'm like do you genuinely think that what you're doing is the the right thing and it's like they must do right do they do they see themselves as a villain and they don't care do they not have a sort of moral compass at all that is it just sort of an amoral stance on the world do they think that they're upholding some moral truth that other people are missing? Do they think they have a right to that wealth? Do they think that by creating that wealth and distributing it, however that may be amongst the workers, by having them employed, but not letting them unionise, is ethically right? Or do they just not think about that? I think about that all of the time.
0: They must dissociate because yeah. they're like, once, once, once they're, like, up there and I've got that mm. much, everyone else is just doing it for them. And yeah. they're just accumulating it. And they have meetings with wealth management people <laughs> yeah. in nice houses. Yeah. And they're part of this upper upper class mm. who just hang out with each other.
1: So, you're just so re- they're just so removed from it that their perspective doesn't even include the perspective of workers. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Because the work is there to serve them at that point.
1: Because I, I don't genuinely think anyone intends to do evil. Mm. That might be a a radical stance I could be convinced of. But generally, the, the way that I navigate the world works better, makes more sense, and I think generally makes more of an impact if you try and assume that everyone thinks that what they're doing is right. And it's either they either have... Less information or different information or different perspective, or maybe a warped perspective or whatever that's impacting their actions, but with some people it's difficult to um I think fully for a lot of
0: people that. it's difficult to mm. change a mindset. Mm. It could like talk about anything like you might like the color blue and Mm -hmm. like wearing anything else but that is hard maybe that's the same as a billionaire changing their ways about how their business is structured (laughs) maybe it's the same thing
1: maybe a question of taste (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) yeah it's a weird it's a weird way to think about people and i think it's an interesting way to see the world but it does Sometimes I worry that it sort of does border a bit on de- determinism of that, like, okay, if I'm seeing everyone as a, as a sort of accumulation of things they've been told, the education they've had, and their actions are a result of those things, does that mean they ever really had any choice in that matter? Um, which you can tell my multiple philosophy degrees, all they ever really did was make me panicked and overwhelmed about the state of the world. <laughs> um yeah, it's a hard Sounds move.
0: like you're a bit of a telepath almost. <laughs> you're like, you can look at what's happening in the world and at the people, and then you're like, maybe they're doing this because of this. This this is how they think.
1: Oh yeah, I, I, I spent a lot of my time doing that. So, I spent a lot of my time doing that during during the, during the during the You know, current Palestine Israel stuff. I think what what's happening is abhorrent and horrible and I think that we need to call Israel out on war crimes that the UN has said ordering the evacuation is against international law all of that stuff but I understand why Israel's doing what it's doing mm. I, I, I'm not like I understand on both sides why everyone has acted why they have I understand why it doesn't make it right i can i any, any most things that happen, I can rationalize the thought patterns and world view behind it that that makes it happen, yeah, and that's true of the most horrific things I can understand you know horrible racist attacks, I understand why things like the fucking e d l exist It's because it's fear and poverty, and I understand that that you know, if you've been spun a rhetoric by the media that the reason why your life is so bad is because of this demographic of people and you're scared, genuinely scared for both your existence and the existence of your children and their children. I really understand the fear that that creates and how thick and so easily turn into hatred. Mm. I understand all of That doesn't mean I'm not going to, like, adamantly fight against and, um, you know, condemn it. Um but I do think it's important to understand where it comes from. I think yeah. you're more likely to get people to change their actions if you understand where their actions are coming from.
0: Plus preventing it.
1: Plus preventing it, exactly, which is which is obviously the, the thing that you want to do nice.
0: Does your music ever get political?
1: Um I would like to say that everything's political. Oh, <laughs> um but an orange uh, well i mean who who farmed that orange oh. <laughs> there you go. uh how much is that orange can i only afford it because i'm middle class can i you know um i'm not claiming i'm not claiming any sort of like moral uh superiority over anyone i just i, oh, do that just, I definitely am not um, you know about oranges. I just very much try my best, but also aware that we live in a world where be, trying to be perfectly moral is is pretty much impossible. And I do think that you yeah. have to find a, a you
0: level. Um, You've got to live,
1: haven't you? Exactly. You yeah. yeah. My music, I wrote a song recently about the overwhelm of trying to live a life amongst the knowledge of. Wild atrocities. It starts with the line um, The human mind was not made to know this much. Um, and then it, the last bit is, um, what is it? Uh, there's a bit that's, um, I'll do my best even though it's not enough which is, I think, what I try to live by in general. (laughs) Like, doing something is better than doing nothing. Um, Sometimes. But you can't beat yourself up for um, not being perfect, you know. And not everyone can dedicate every moment of their lives to other people. And also, I think you shouldn't. No. um doesn't doesn't make for a sort of happy and functioning society um but yeah so i guess that's sort of political um and my my poetry gets more political and you know i talk a lot about being a woman in music um which often rubs up against sort of patriarchal themes and um rape culture and that sort of stuff, but I wouldn't necessarily even call that political because, you know, that's just my lived experience. If, you know, a man gets to, a white man gets to talk about their lived experience and they just get called art. Yeah. A, a woman yeah. does it and it's feminist art, and yeah. a black person does it and it's, you know, race art or whatever. Um, so I guess yes and no. But I also think that that's true of pretty much everything. <laughs> 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 yeah. I'm going to go for a wee. Okay. I'll be back. You've <laughs> been think thinking deep thoughts in my absence.
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was thinking about how. When I was doing my art degree, some people like if if you had anything like if you were disabled or if you were brown, mm. some sometimes they'd be like, maybe I should make work about this, and and then, is that all my work's about, mm. like that aspect of me? Because this isn't the whole of me. Just like we were talking earlier about how, you know, or oh, crying, that's not the whole of me. Yes. Kind of thing. So uh, yeah. you know, it's okay to make work about something completely different. To like, because you 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 might have an identity crisis. Yeah. You yeah. might think, oh, am I being disabled enough today? <laughs> like, what the fuck? Definitely. That's so weird.
1: Also, I, the problem with that, obviously, is that like you can over identify with something and be be, come, seen as just that. But I also think one of the main problems is, not. Just that um marginalized people are like ascribed that their work is about those things parts of their identity. It's also like the removal of that from non-marginalised people. It's like any everyone's work is influenced by the person who made the work. You, yeah. Anyone's art is necessarily comes from who that person is. So a white man's art. Yeah says just as much about white men as a white woman's art says about white women as a black man's art says about black men like and the art could purposely be not commenting on that but it's still coming from a world view of someone who is that so i don't think we should be ascribing not every woman's work is feminist
0: no
1: even if it has themes that could be called feminist that 's just your experience if i write about if I write about being raped that poems not a feminist poem it 's a poem about an experience yeah um but you know similarly if a, if a and i 'm not saying bad things don't happen to white men and obviously there's a lot of class things but even you know a middle class white man writes work that has no no descriptions of any sort of um trauma at the hands of other people in you know more higher up on the hierarchy if it, it has no um uh, political sort of uh, undercurrents in it it can be what it is the reason it, you know it, it can okay it can be a sort of commercial artwork that doesn't really um, explore any forms of trauma or oppression or anything like that that is saying just as much about his uh, experiences being a person of that demographic than anyone else's work is like the fact that his, he's making work about his life this is just a hypothetical non-real artist this artist is making work about their life or just making work that they like that's inspired by who they are as a person and it's devoid of those themes that's a saying something about those themes, because his w- work is able to not reflect themes of oppression and trauma or whatever because mm. of who he is. Do you know what I mean? It's like everyone's work isn't is a reflection partly of at least a part of who they are, yeah. But we only ascribe it to a certain group, and then we pigeonhole them.
0: Hmm. That makes a lot of sense. Hmm.
1: <laughs> Damn. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it makes any sense, really.
0: <laughs> yeah. Because. <laughs> yeah. So like someone who's super duper privileged might work Mm. their work like it might be all like technically really good Mm. and everything but it maybe just feels quite numb Mm. because they're not really experienced that much adversity in their life Mm. so they don't really have anything to talk about but then that's a that's a good thing that they've not had to deal with all that stuff but maybe it would be good if everyone could not have to deal with (laughs) All of that stuff as well.
1: I mean, I think everyone has the capacity to experience pain. I mean, you're talking about death as a sort of, like, motivator. Well, yeah. What the one unifying thing of everyone is that we we will all die. We all are confronted by death. We all experience it. We all know people who die. I think that that in itself is, I mean, I I know that's the reason why a lot of art, I think, is about death. Um, is because it is a kind of like one unifying fact of of everyone that's so unknowable, and that we try to sort of attempt to get closer at knowing through making work about. Um, so I I don't necessarily think that a, a privileged person necessarily has to make work, or would always make work that's devoid of like right. depth or. Trauma, but I think that it's still their work is still expressing who who they are on a intersectional sort of level. Um, in in that all people do, which yeah is um interesting to think about.
0: See, you can be aware of everything, and. <laughs> Because I think when people hear people saying sentences like "straight white mm-hmm. man," but you're like you're saying, <laughs> yeah, they've got privilege, but they're still a human being capable mm-hmm. of expressing things and they still feel things. But again, yeah, they yeah. have this yeah yeah privilege, and that's not good. But that's because of society. Yeah. As a whole, it's not just because that person was just yeah. a sperm like you. I think
1: I think oh. that it's it's um generally bad to to assign blame, but good to assign responsibility.
0: Okay, what does that mean?
1: So. Someone in a position of privilege. You you know often the, the response of like you have this privilege is like well, it's not my fault I didn't I didn't choose where I was born and what I was born into It's like no it's not your fault yeah but it is your responsibility, now that you know that you have that to try and make it better for other people. Right. We're not, you know, no one I don't anyway. I don't I don't want to make life worse for anyone. I want to make no, it yeah. just as good for everyone. Um my definitions of what good is might be different to the definitions of billionaires, but you know, it's um yeah, I think that again, blame is a often a pointless thing but responsibility's really important. Um actually I played a played a video game recently called um the Co- oh. the Cosmic Wheel Sisterhood. It's fucking sick game. I finished it in like 3 days because I could not stop playing it.
0: What's it called again?
1: The Cosmic Wheel Sisterhood. And it's about a witch who's a tarot reader, obviously. Of course. Um, oh, no. And it's like a story game, but it's kind of like a choose-your-own story. Do you ever read choose your own adventures st- storybooks as a kid? Did I
0: ever read one?
1: Choose-your-own-adventure
0: but oh, Goosebumps.
1: I don't know what, what, where the Goosebumps was. But it's like you have to... You have, like, you choose... Like, do you do this turn to page this? Like, do so you yeah, do that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's kind of like that way. You had, like, loads of different options and all of the different options that you make. A lot of them are quite philosophical. They're, like... One of them was, like, do you want to be loved, feared, or respected or something Uh, like there's loads of different choices and they all add up to the end but before the end when you've made all your choices there's a line i'm gonna butcher it but it's like um everything that happens now is not your fault but it is your responsibility that is fate that made me like cry and tingles like oh that's so good because you just spent this whole game Like painstakingly making decisions that I think were good, and so many of them actually led to like horrific things happening. It's like yeah, that that wasn't my fault because in the moment I didn't have the information that would make me know that that would happen. Trying to do what I thought was right based on the knowledge I have, but then but it is my responsibility. Because, you know, I have a responsibility to try and then, make it better. Yeah. You know, I think that's true of of everyone there there are obviously things that are our fault that we ha- we should have blame for but most things as i said i think most people at most points in their life are operating out of thinking what they are doing is the best of the time so blame is usually pointless mm. but responsibility is important
0: Can we end it there? (laughs) If you want, yeah. Pretty cool.